Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there, everyone. We are back for a new episode of Break the Diet Cycle with Sam Abbott, also known as the PCOS Nutritionist. We're going to talk today a little bit about what PCOS is, how it relates to your food freedom journey, and talk a bit more about hormone health. Sam, we are so excited to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Once again, I know we're always bragging about our Instagram friendships. This is another one. Yeah. We love, love that we found you on that platform. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to your work as the PCOS nutritionist? Uh, well, my name is Sam. I have a nutrition practice called G&G Nutrition Company, and I specialize in helping people with PCOS balance their hormones and improve insulin resistance without dieting. Um, my practice actually started as a brick and mortar practice in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it really evolved into specializing in PCOS because I was just getting so many clients who had PCOS and they really felt lost, like they had no answers um, in terms of improving hormone balance, improving some of the symptoms that come along with PCOS and really trying to regulate their period or get their period back naturally in hopes to try to conceive sometime in the future. So it was kind of a natural evolution um, to specialize in PCOS and my sister also has PCOS, so I was somewhat familiar with the condition um, prior to offering nutrition coaching for it, but it's definitely an area that I'm really passionate about. Um, I find that my clients really need a lot of support and advocacy to get the type of care that they really need to improve their quality of life, and yeah, my business has really evolved, and then I decided to changed my Instagram handle and I'm just chatting all about PCOS all the time. It's amazing. Woo! I love your posts. I love the way you make it much more clear yes. how people can pursue food freedom when they have PCOS, because as we'll talk about through some of our audience questions today, there's a <laughs> lot of information out there. And I think like what you're saying, the, the gap at the doctor's office where there's sort of these blanket statements or even dismissal. Mm -hmm. And then all this information on the internet, it's kind of like, all the info and none of the info and then what do I do in the middle so I'm hoping yeah, yes. we can get to that today yeah it can be really overwhelming and PCOS is so individualized as well you know it's a syndrome and it looks different in different people so I really try to give um put the information out there but give people the flexibility to be able to take what is relevant to them and apply it to their own lives beautiful well, is it all right to dive in on some of our audience questions yeah. today? Yeah, definitely. So first, um, you know, before we go into the audience questions, let's just define what PCOS is in case maybe someone's listening and then through this, they go, I think I have some of these symptoms. What all is right. PCOS? Yeah, this is a great question because 50% of people who have PCOS 
don't even know that they have it. They've been undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. um, but PCOS is a metabolic disorder that affects the endocrine system and the reproductive system. Um, so when we're saying the endocrine system, we're talking about our hormones. Um, the diagnostic criteria, there's actually three pieces. One would be um, a regular or a missing period um, or ovulation. Um, one would be elevated androgen levels. Those are male sex hormones that um, women have them in smaller amounts. It's normal for us to have them, but um, not in the elevated levels that we see in PCOS. And then the third diagnostic criteria is an ultrasound that shows um, polycystic ovaries. They really present looking like a string of pearls. Um, they're enlarged follicles um, just along your ovary. So from a diagnostic perspective, you technically only need to have two of the three criteria. Because so, some women don't have cysts, right? Or they're not visible? Right, right. Yes, exactly. And um, with androgen levels, those can be difficult to test, you know, when you're getting labs drawn. So part of the diagnostic criteria could be labs or just physical symptoms. So some symptoms of elevated androgens may be acne or something called hirsutism, which is excessive hair growth either on the face or the chest or the stomach. Um, oily skin, receding hairline or male pattern balding, hair thinning is another one as well. Um, so it, just because somebody's had normal labs, it may not mean that they don't have elevated androgen levels. So the symptoms are used as well. Yeah. So my question, Sam, is what does someone do? I mean, I hear a lot of my clients not have a diagnosis, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yet have a lot of these symptoms. So what can someone who feels or thinks that they are exhibiting these symptoms, how can they be an advocate for themselves mm -hmm. at the doctor's office um, if they're not getting definite answers? Right. Well, I think it could be really helpful for them to learn a little bit more about PCOS so that they can have a dialogue with their provider, which I hate saying that because that shouldn't, the burden shouldn't be on the patient to, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> to initiate that conversation. Yeah. Um, but part of the reason that PCOS is undiagnosed in so many people is because one of the first symptoms may be in a regular period, which in adolescence, having an irregular period initially is pretty normal. Um, but if it persists, usually birth control is just prescribed. So you, it's kind of masking one of the symptoms. Um, you know, when we're taking birth control, you're not getting a true period. It's just a monthly bleed, which is important for overall health. If you're going too long without a period, that actually puts you at risk for endometrial cancer. Um, which is why birth control is prescribed for PCOS. Um, but I think it's really important to understand if you think that you have PCOS, that this is truly a metabolic condition that affects overall health. It's not just about reproduction. Um, so, you know, asking your provider, coming in with your list of symptoms, um, and asking your provider if you can be appropriately screened with labs and a transvaginal ultrasound and really explaining your symptoms. Um, one important thing to note is that the, a diagnosis of PCOS, it, it's really a diagnosis of exclusion. 
meaning there are actually other things that can cause irregular or missing periods. Um, so the process of being diagnosed with PCOS is actually ruling out other causes first. Um, I actually had a really interesting experience recently um, where I felt like I was meeting a lot of the symptoms of PCOS and my sister has PCOS. So I went to the doctor and requested, um, requested to be evaluated. And actually I ended up having a really large dermoid cyst on my ovary that had been there for over five years. So um, you can have other issues going on, whether it's a different type of ovarian cyst or a thyroid problem or a problem with your adrenal glands. So I think this is where it's really beneficial to have a good relationship with a provider that you know, like, and trust so you can have these open conversations. Totally agree. So important. Yeah. That's a great question, Delina. And one of the questions from our audience kind of links and piggybacks on this, which is why is it important to actually get that diagnosis? And then once you have it, why is it important to seek treatment? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it is really important to have a diagnosis because PCOS can be the cause of other health issues and it may kind of connect the dots for some of the, the symptoms that you're experiencing. Um, one of the root causes for many people that have PCOS is insulin resistance. And insulin resistance can really make you feel hungry and crave carbohydrates all the time. And not just a, a small carb craving, I'm talking about truly eating a meal and then feeling hungry afterwards. Um, so understanding that that could be coming from your PCOS, your fatigue, problems with sleeping. Um, there's a link between PCOS and anxiety and depression. Um, recently on Instagram, I was just sharing responses or doing a Q&A and somebody mentioned that they had had so many problems breastfeeding and they had no idea that it was because of PCOS. Mm. And I was getting messages from people who said that they suffered from severe postpartum depression over their difficulty with breastfeeding and they had no idea that that could be associated oh, with yeah. PCOS. And had they had known then they wouldn't have been so hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, but to get back to answering the question, why is it important to get a diagnosis? If you have this festering insulin resistance, that can eventually develop into prediabetes or type two diabetes, and that can lead to other health issues um, like fatty liver disease. Uh, we're seeing a tie between PCOS and sleep apnea. So there are other health, cardiovascular disease, there are other health issues that you just want to have awareness about these issues. And then you also want to get appropriate treatment so that you can just feel better every day. Um, one of the top complaints that I hear from clients is just having poor energy and difficulty sleeping. And those two things affect your quality of life from day to day. Um, so that would be why I would say it's important to get a diagnosis um, and to also seek treatment is to just improve your quality of life. Uh, so important. I think that just that phrase, quality of life. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's what jumps out to me, right? There's like the right now needs that you have around sleep and feeling well and you not know, feeling out of control around food if you are nursing, maybe having that experience mm -hmm. be more positive for you and your baby. 
and then long-term setting the stage for your metabolic health so that you can work with your unique genetics the best way possible. And that's what all of us are doing. You know, we all have this (laughs) genetic code and all of us are individualizing and optimizing. What works for me might not work for Delina, it might not work for Sam. And so the tailoring is kind of key. Um, It's not wrong that you might carry PCOS as a diagnosis. It's how are you going to work with it? That's really the question. I always think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and like you have to meet all of those like that bottom you know part of the the triangle to be able to have that quality of life mm-hmm. and what you're discussing here like what you're describing is <laughs> those mm-hmm. basic needs that every human needs to meet before they can actually have a good quality of life and thrive mm-hmm. yeah exactly and i think that's why there is such a big conversation around the poor quality of care that many people with PCOS receive in the medical community, because this is kind of outdated, but PCOS was previously more associated with just being a reproductive disorder. So a lot of times when people go to the doctor and they're trying to get answers and feel better, um, they're told, well, come back when you're trying to get pregnant or just work on losing weight or things like that. And I think that is a big reason of why um, so many people with PCOS do suffer from anxiety or depression because you're literally living each day with no energy and not feeling well and not sleeping well and not understanding why. Right. You know, like we can make babies and we do a good job at that, but that's not all of our health, all of our identity. It's it's incredible how like the medical narrative sometimes is really, and even, and even we drive it sometimes, right? Like we don't ask for more than reproductive health when we're at the doctor. Um, I don't think we're trained and educated to think like that, you know, that, that I want to be thriving. I want to feel well to do what I want in my life. Right. Yeah. And I think another problem with um, PCOS specifically is that right now it's categorized with the NIH as a reproductive disorder. Mm. And that categorization, is that a word? Categorization. It is now. (laughs) 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 The way the the category determines how much research funding it gets. I see. Oh, women rights. (laughs) Yeah. If it does really go back to, you know, um, I mean, we could get into a big conversation about reproductive health and government stuff like that. Yeah. But basically um, there's a big advocacy push right now to get that classification changed to a metabolic disorder. Like you're saying. Yeah. If you look at the funding that something like diabetes or cardiovascular disease gets, I mean, PCOS is getting, just a tiny, tiny portion of the funding that it truly needs. I mean, 10 to 15% of women or people born with ovaries in a uterus, they may not identify as a woman now. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a huge, huge amount of our population that's mm-hmm. suffering from PCOS. And you know, if you don't have that research funding, it's really hard to get that information out to the medical community and, and learn new things that could really help a lot of people. So true. Now, following this train of thought, and I love how you're making this more clear for us that this is a metabolic disorder that hinges on insulin resistance. One thing we often see as a as a, di- or a treatment for this diagnosis is weight loss. So one of the questions mm-hmm. was, 
does weight cause PCOS? I think you're saying no, that weight mm -hmm. is not the cause of PCOS. Um, and then does weight loss cure PCOS? Because sometimes that message gets muddled when we're told, hey, lose weight, it'll get better. What are your right. thoughts on like the weight loss messaging around PCOS? Yeah, that's a really big, that's very problematic in my professional opinion. Um, just to back up for one second, many people with PCOS have insulin resistance, but not all. Um, a lot of the root issue is coming from the elevated androgen levels and elevated androgen levels can cause elevated, um, it can cause insulin resistance and insulin resistance can actually cause our ovaries to produce more testosterone. So it's pretty complex, but not everyone necessarily has insulin resistance with PCOS. So I just didn't want to confuse people. But to answer your question about weight, um, this is actually something that I feel is so painful and traumatic is when somebody with PCOS is made to feel like because they gained weight that caused PCOS and that is the messaging that many people are receiving. Um, we actually think that PCOS develops very early in life that possibly um, when your mom is pregnant with you and she was exposed to some sort of environmental factor, that that plays a role in the development of PCOS. Um, many people start showing symptoms during adolescence when they're at a much lower weight. And perhaps the insulin resistance and the elevated androgen levels actually leads to that weight gain but maybe you don't even know that you have PCOS until 10 years later. So um, a lot of my clients do have a very distinct memory of when they were younger, they all of a sudden just started gaining weight and they didn't understand why. And maybe they were at a higher weight than their siblings, even though they were all eating the same things and living the same lifestyle. So your weight did not cause your PCOS. If you have experienced a weight gain and you're not sure why, it could very well be because of elevated insulin levels because insulin is a growth hormone. Um, elevated levels do cause us to gain weight. Um, in terms of the whole conversation about weight loss and improving PCOS, there's so many layers to it. So I think we should lead the conversation by saying, and I'm sure that you guys speak to your audience about this all the time, we don't have any study that shows that weight loss efforts are successful long-term. So when you are intentionally trying to lose weight, there is a very, very high chance that you will eventually regain that weight and then more weight. And that weight cycling actually makes insulin resistance worse. It increases your risk of cardiovascular disease. Um, it's linked to binge eating and anxiety and depression. So whether or not decreasing the adiposity on your body improves androgens or insulin resistance is truly a moot point if we don't have anything that could successfully help you lose weight by focusing on weight loss. Um, so what I like to focus on with clients is actually treating the root issue of what's going on. So do you have insulin resistance? To what degree do you have insulin resistance? Are your androgens elevated in your labs? Which ones are elevated? Um, do you suffer from binge eating? Have you just kind of given up on your health because of this 
syndrome that's greatly affecting your life? Um, do you have sleep apnea that's driving your insulin resistance? So there, it's so, the conversation is so complex. Um, I really just recommend focusing on actual behaviors and things that are within your control and really just viewing your weight more as an outcome. Beautiful. I don't think I've heard anyone say that as crisp and clear as you just did. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of confusion lies, right? Like, I love how you said it's like a moot point (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we, and Delina, you said when we first met, you're like, I've started doing this work because at the end of the day, we don't have a solution for weight loss. Mm -hmm. Even if it were this magic silver bullet, we're told it is. It's a band-aid. So research is just for like hot second, a band-aid. Doctors just want to be like I told you so it worked now you're on your own bye right well and I think um you know short term intermittent fasting and keto are commonly recommended Mm -hmm. for PCOS but I mean if you cannot do that long term then what is the point if it's affecting your mental or your emotional health what is the point and if we really look through history um Christy Harrison's book anti-diet does a really good job of kind of talking about the history of diet culture. And recently I was um, listening to something that Julie Duffy Dillon was um, teaching and she's amazing, but she just said, when you look through history, there have always been fat bodies. There are fat bodies now and there will be fat bodies in the future. So why are we focusing on this as the way to treat PCOS? Right. Right. It's working with who we are, with our genetics and optimizing, enhancing our health. And that's true of all diagnoses. You know, PCOS is our topic today, but if you carry other diagnoses, that's always the question an anti-dietitian wants to know is how do we work with that, get you from A to B where you want to be if you're Mm -hmm. not there right now? What is the root root cause? I think that that's, that's the primary thing we all work on, right? Like what is happening? Let's fix that or help you at least feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that, that really, when you're meeting your needs, when you feel better, everything else kind of falls into place. Exactly. And I think it's so important, you know, and this is, I have been privileged. Mm-hmm. So I do not have the experience of living life at a higher weight and the types of experiences that many of my clients have had, which is many of which are very heartbreaking and upsetting. Um, So it's not my job to tell somebody that they should not hold the desire to lose weight. But something that I really like to do with clients is explore the reason why. Why would you like to lose weight? And what can we do now to support you in accomplishing those things and helping you live your best life and feel your best right now in your current body. Um, You know, if it's you want to fit into clothes, you know, can we update your wardrobe and clothes that make you feel good right now? Um, If it's that you hate going to the doctor and being told you need to lose weight, then can we find you a more supportive care team that can respect where you are right now and focus on your actual behaviors? there are so many reasons why people want to lose weight that, and you can truly focus on those things and enriching your life now, at least to some extent. 
That's beautiful and exactly the right framework for people to be thinking through. So I appreciate that you offer that. It's amazing. So we're going to wrap up here with, I think we have time for one more question. We are talking about mental and emotional health of women with PCOS quite a bit here. And I got this great question. Someone said, when I'm not dieting and restricting, I eat junk food all day long. Can intuitive eating help women with PCOS who face this particular concern? So what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on the emotional eating or emotional coping aspects and intuitive eating? Yeah, I think that this is great. A great question. I think it's important to remember that intuitive eating is a framework. It's not actually medical nutrition therapy. Um, So we really say it's blending your food preferences and your thoughts and feelings and attitudes around food with whatever is going to promote your health at that given point in time. So, you know, in terms of nutrition education for PCOS, if somebody's not in a place mentally to receive any of that information, then that's not appropriate. Whereas somebody who has a healthier relationship with food, maybe they can um, learn some of that information in a healthy and balanced way. Um, One really important thing to remember with PCOS is that if you do have insulin resistance, you are probably going to feel hungrier and crave things more. So really addressing the insulin resistance with either medication or supplements or adding some protein and fat to meals can really be beneficial. Um, So that would be step number one for somebody that feels like the only way that they have some control is if they're restricting a lot of times the insulin resistance plays a role in that. Another thing too is there with that specific question, there's a huge emotional layer of in addition to the insulin resistance, what's really going on to where the only way that you feel like I don't even like using the word junk food or things like that, but why are you in this place of all or nothing? You know, and what can we do to bring you back to the middle? And that, that usually takes a little bit of work. That's not an overnight process. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, all folks following intuitive eating are teasing out how much of this is uh, mental restriction, how much of this is biological hunger, and then mm-hmm. how much of this emotional, and sometimes it's a little bit of all three. And so that's where really dedicating three, six months of work with someone means that you can take your time unpacking each step of the way so that you walk away with true understanding of, the, of this particular question. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And I do think that with many people who have PCOS, there is a big biological hunger component, but it's really making the emotional and mental aspect even worse. Yeah. And it's ratcheted up because of the insulin resistance Mm -hmm. compared to someone who doesn't really face that. So that's such a great takeaway, I think, uh, for listeners that if if your hunger feels um, maybe extreme or intense and you carry a PCOS diagnosis, you're going to want that medical nutrition therapy element Mm -hmm. alongside the IE for sure. Yes, definitely. Awesome. We had one last question. I said the last one was the last one, but can we do like a quick uh, yeah, hot take? Yeah, I'll try to be brief. Sorry, I, I know I like go up on tangents. I'll no, you honestly, Sam, this is so, so helpful. Many of my clients have these questions um, and it, it just makes me feel hopeful that you're out there spreading this message yeah. because people need to hear it. Okay, so here is our hot take quick question. This is deeper than just a, a quick reply, but we're going to try. So gluten and dairy-free for PCOS, there's a lot of messaging out there that that is helpful. Um, 
quick take, does that work? Should people be going gluten-free or dairy-free to treat their PCOS? Mm -hmm. Yes. So in a very brief explanation, I'll make a couple points. One is that if gluten or dairy is upsetting your stomach, then yes, that can play a role in inflammation and making PCOS worse. So if you notice a difference in your symptoms or you're getting an upset stomach or brain fog or whatever, then it may be beneficial for you to eliminate any food, not just gluten and dairy, that, that makes you feel that way. There are no studies specifically that support eliminating gluten from your diet for PCOS. I have no idea where that started, but um, no research there to support that. With dairy, we do know that if somebody has PCOS, it is more beneficial to consume um, full fat dairy. Um, that can help with androgen levels, whereas we do see an increase in androgen levels with low fat and fat-free dairy. There's also an association between dairy and acne. So if you struggle with acne and as one of your PCOS symptoms, then trialing full fat first to see if that helps and then doing a trial elimination of that could be beneficial. Mm -hmm. Hire Sam, you guys. This sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> no, but it just really gives... I hope this again underscores for people like you haven't figured this out yet. Yeah. Uh, experts don't have the clear answer for you either. It's really about informed experimentation mm -hmm. and, you know, finding guides that really you trust and are expert in this is incredibly valuable. So uh, that's my takeaway yeah. from listening to you, Sam, <laughs> that this, this is a process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think also PCOS is really, really individualized. Yeah. What works for one person may not work for somebody else. And I would really, as a takeaway message, steer away from any type of influencer or provider that is just giving across the board advice without, without you know, recognizing the gray area, without encouraging trialing things or experimenting and seeing how you feel. Um, because it, it is just so individualized. And I've worked with hundreds of people with PCOS and it's not just the same, the yeah. same prescription for everyone. Oh, Sam, I want to hug you. Like that's just- Hug the screen, ladies. <laughs> Seriously, like- Hug the screen oh. with our curly hair. Yes, Woo! curly hair hugs. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Well, I mean, that's a good as takeaway as any, any that we could have, have asked for here, just to be able to have that permission to individualize, to give yourself time and space to find what works for you. Mm -hmm. Each lesson you learn is one you can build on, and then you have that as a habit for a lifetime. Super inspiring. Mm -hmm. Sam, anything that you want to plug or share about you and your brand? What you're working on over at PCOS Nutritionist? <laughs> well, I run a group coaching program where I really walk you through um, some of the things that can really cause these PCOS symptoms to be worse and cause your period to be irregular. Um, so I walk you through that from a non-diet approach. So instead of focusing on weight loss, we really focus on getting you feeling better and living your best life. Um, so I have my group coaching program. I love running that. It gives clients a sense of community. Um, so that's the main thing that I'm working on right now. And you can always come over and just hang out with me on Instagram. My handle is PCOS.nutritionist. Awesome. Everybody take out your phone now, unless you're driving, do it when you're pulled over and follow <laughs> Sam at PCOS Nutritionist. Sam, thank you for your time and being here today. Oh, you're welcome. It was so fun. Yay. Thank you so much.
All right. Have a good one, ladies. Thanks. Thanks. All right, Melissa, that was such an amazing episode. So, so, so excited to have these guests on this season. So what's going on with you? Um, Yes, first, I agree. It's been a ton of fun. I love you, but it's nice to have a group moment. And that's exactly what's going on with me in my business, too. You know that I started a group offer back in March. And you did, too, correct? I did. Did I tell you how I'm running mine? No. Okay, so here's the deal. Typically, I see clients for three months, one-to-one. And what was happening was all these clients kept telling me, hey, what's going on with your other clients? I'm just curious what's happening in their worlds. (laughs) And I realized, like, as much as it's powerful to have a one-to-one counseling experience, community is so, so important when you're trying to find food freedom because you need role models to inspire you. And as great as I am as a coach, I'm not always the role model for other people. And so... I got to thinking maybe we could put together a group offer that leans on the no guilt framework. So we're meeting weekly for three months and we include a Facebook board where people can really get to know each other through that time span. It's been super, super fun spending time on these Zoom calls with these ladies. That does sound fun. It's like, I want to come in with my wine, some cheese, crackers. (laughs) I just want to sit there and just chit chat with my friends. Yeah all the nonsense going on in the world wine cheese crackers a little bit of a little bit of your struggle a little bit of your wins we put it all together diet culture exactly exactly (laughs) and you know i love that you said that because that is what comes up in these meetings where people can have space where people understand what you've gone through you don't even have to say a word that the other members know what you're going through they have a different perspective on your struggle there's a lot of support, there's a lot of enthusiasm, and it's just, it's so much fun. Now, one of my groups is graduating in a few weeks. Do you know that every single one of them has been able to figure out how to work through the struggle that they started with? They all have an answer to whatever their unique struggle was. They have something that they can practice and move forward with. They're not feeling guilt and anxiety around food. They're not fumbling over their words when someone says something that isn't supportive anymore. They are having a relationship with movement in their bodies that feels positive. It has meant the world to me. And so I'm really glad we're talking about this because I want to invite anyone listening that wants a longer term experience with women like them, where they can learn my no guilt framework while connecting with others, you are going to be exactly the right person for this program. So here's how you can learn more. You can either DM me at no more guilt and just say group. Go ahead, just write that word group. I'll know what you're talking about. Um, We can chit chat a little bit about what you're looking for and if it might be right. Or if you're like, whoa, that sounds awesome, go ahead and apply. You can find that in my LinkedIn bio. I will shoot you a message and we'll meet to talk more. Awesome, awesome. I love it. Thanks for asking about me. I mean, that's what this is all about. That's what friends do, right? They support each other. All right, chulas and gals, that was it for today. So peace, love, and break the diet cycle.